1: next on the ohio podcast we preview ohio state's big game against iowa we talk recruiting and is the big 12 really better than the big 10 and all of that starts right now proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field.
0: Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. the best buckeye podcast by fans for the fans where they hate that team up north as much as you do it's time for the ohio podcast
1: OH! IO! welcome back to the ohio podcast everybody i'm your host buckeye boggs reporting live from beautiful north central ohio where i am joined by the wild man chris wilds from marion ohio tonight i know he's a little tired but hey he's here he's ready to rock and roll how you doing tonight chris well, I'll tell you, I'm feeling a lot better than I did the
0: last time we talked, Eric, because I'll tell you, <laughs> I was feeling rough then. Uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's still getting over that cold, and I spent a lot of time outside in the cold today, so you know how I always used to talk about loving that cold weather and wanting that snow? I, I'm done with it. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to move in with Aaron. I'm going to
1: sleep on his couch. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of Aaron, down in the down in the Lone Star <laughs> State, fresh off the field, welcome back to the Ohio Podcast, Mister Sergeant MVP. How's it going, everybody? It has been a rough week. I <laughs> will <Okay>. say that. <laughs> well, hopefully, it's going to be a rough Saturday for the Iowa Hawkeyes who are going to visit Columbus for the first time in, gosh, forever. It's been forever since they've been in Columbus. In fact, we're just going to dive right into the numbers of this game. Ohio State leads the series over the Iowa Hawkeyes. 46 wins to 15 losses and only three ties. Last loss to Iowa was in 2017. That was by a terrible score, 55 to 24. By the way, that was the last time these two teams uh, played one another was all the way back in 2017. Uh, There was a new O.C. on that team by the name of one Ryan Day who was calling plays, and JT Barrett uh, was coming off his best game ever as a Buckeye, leading Ohio State in the fourth quarter comeback over Penn State and Ohio Stadium, only to go on the road to Iowa City and lay a complete and utter egg against the Hawkeyes. Not that I'm bitter or anything. The last meeting in Columbus, however, was 2013. That was a Braxton Miller led Ohio State team. That's how long it's been since Iowa's had the opportunity to travel to the capital of the great state of OHIO. The biggest win for Ohio State ever over the Hawkeyes came in 1985 when then a number eight ranked Ohio State. Upset the number one ranked Iowa Hawkeyes 22 to 13 in a rainy horseshoe. Largest margin of victory? Well, that came in 1950 when the Buckeyes trounced the Hawkeyes 83 to 21. Largest margin of defeat? Well, that was the last time we played back in 2017 when the Hawkeyes defeated us 55 to 24. Ohio State's longest win streak over the Hawkeyes is 16 straight, starting in 1963 and running through 1980. Iowa's longest win streak over the Buckeyes is two. That would be 1922 and 1923. This will be Ryan Day's first attempt to beat the Hawkeyes as head coach of Ohio State meaning he's 0-0 against Iowa as the head coach, while Kirk Farron's record against Ohio State, Aaron, despite the fact that he is old as Moses, is 2-8. and eight. Only 10 games against our Buckeyes has he coached, and he's not fared very well with a winning percentage of only 20%. That somehow doesn't, doesn't seem right. <laughs> Feels like it's been so many more times,
2: but... Yeah, I guess I guess so. But you know, he's been there since, you know, Abraham Lincoln, so
1: I don't know. <laughs> just doesn't seem right, does it? It doesn't. It doesn't. All right, let's dive into the statistics. Chris, this is all you, buddy.
0: So guys, this is a very bad Iowa offense. Let's just start out with that. Iowa is ranked dead last in the nation in offense, averaging only twenty or two hundred and thirty eight point eight yards per game. They are 126th in the nation. Now let's remember, only 131 schools play Division I college football. They are 126th in the nation in scoring at a whopping 14.7 points per game. <coughs> Spencer, Spencer Petrus is the quarterback. He leads the team in passing with 87 of 161 for 940 yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions. Sophomore LaShawn Williams is the team's leading rusher with 64 carries for 236 yards and two touchdowns, followed closely by freshman Caleb Johnson, who has 50 carries for 232 and three touchdowns. Catching the football, it's all about the tight ends at Iowa. Sam Laporta is the team's leading receiver. He comes in with 30 catches for 279 yards. And and a name that might sound a little bit familiar to Buckeye fans, Luke Lachey is their other tight end. And Lachey comes in with nine catches for 157 yards and is the team's leader in yards per catch with uh, 17.4 and receiving touchdowns with one. Guys, the offense is bad. I mean, Ohio State has single games with more touchdowns than this team has had the entire season on offense. They have a total of seven offensive touchdowns for the season. Defense, on the other hand, is another story. I was the number three de- scoring defense in the nation, only allowing 11.2 points per game. They're ranked number seven in overall defense with 265 yards per game. They're opportunistic. They've had 11 turnovers halfway through the season and they've accumulated 13 sacks. Their defense is led by linebacker Jack Campbell. Campbell leads the team with 62 tackles, and and this guy is just everywhere on the field. Sophomore defensive lineman Lucas Van Es leads the team in sacks with three. Defensive back Cooper DeJean is the team's interception leader with three, while defensive back Riley Moss leads the team in forced fumbles with two. This is a good defense, but guys, they are going to have their hands full with a very powerful Ohio State offense. And that's an offense that right now is ranked number two in yards per game in the nation with 543.7. And they are the top scoring team in the nation at 48.8 points per game. It all starts with the Heisman candidate, quarterback C.J. Stroud. Stroud's 113 of 160 for 1,737 yards, 24 touchdowns, only three interceptions. Running the ball, we got the 1A, 1 and 1A tandem of Brian Williams, who has 64 carries for 497 and eight rushing touchdowns. And Trevion Henderson, who enters Saturday with 69 carries for 436 and four rushing touchdowns. Catching the passes, Emeka Buka is leading the way right now, 35 catches, 655 yards. Both lead the team, and he has six touchdowns. Marvin Harrison Jr. is right there. He has 31 catches for 536, and he leaves the team with nine receiving touchdowns. And, and, guys, the big question is, is this the week that we see Jackson Smith and Jigma come back and really solidify what should be the most prolific receiving trio in college football? Defensively, man, Ohio State has been pretty good this year. Fifth-ranked overall in the nation in defense at 253.5 yards per game allowed. Number eight in scoring defense allowing 15.7 per game. And a lot of that has come at the end of games when the second and third team's been in there. Ohio State's defense has created seven turnovers and 14 sacks on the season as well. The defense is led by the tackling machine that is Tommy Eichenberg. Eichenberg has 50 tackles to lead the team. Also has two and a half sacks, but the sack leader, that is Mike Hall Jr. Despite being limited by injury, Hall has four and a half sacks this season. And guys, a cool fact, I mentioned seven turnovers. Ohio State has seven turnovers. Seven different players have gotten a turnover. This is truly a team effort on this defense. Aaron, that's the the game by the numbers. Why don't you tell us how it's going to translate on the field?
2: I am on top of it for everybody, by the way. Okay, so let's start off by talking about that awesome defense of Iowa. All right, so I would like to bring up the fact that they have played South Dakota State, Iowa State, Nevada, Rutgers, that team up north, and Illinois. Okay, other than that team up north, they haven't really played anybody that's like, an explosive offense, and I wouldn't even call that team up north explosive. Um, so I'm not sold on this defense. I'm gonna be a hundred percent with you guys right now. So what I saw on film is they run a four three, all right, on like as a base. They do run four two five quite often as well, um, and it's very similar to how we do it. They'll have a stand up D end. And he likes to stunt with the defensive tackle. Uh, same stuff, you know. They they do a lot of similar things. Now, one little one little hitch that they do like to throw in there is they'll have two stand up defensive ends, and when you see that, you will see one of them blitzing, and the other one will drop into coverage, and he will occupy the zone where the line the middle linebacker should be. So you'll see him. Uh, kind of look like he's going to blitz, and then he'll drop into coverage, into zone coverage there, right in the middle where the mic would be. Um, they are very gap sound on their defensive line. Uh, they're they're pretty powerful. Uh, they don't really disguise their coverages. I'm going to be straight up, y'all. It's it's extremely vanilla. Uh, we're used to seeing, you know, teams will play up. Looking like they're gonna play man, and then they drop into you know cover three, or or a safety will will come up and drop clear back to cover two uh, right before the snap. We're used to seeing things like that, and Iowa doesn't really do that a whole lot. So they're extremely vanilla. They don't they don't really disguise coverages. What you see is what you get. Uh, their secondary is very it, it's pretty solid. I'm not gonna lie, especially when we're talking about Riley Moss. That kid can play. He can flat out play. But I don't know about the rest of that secondary. Um, And like I said, Iowa hasn't really faced a team where they have the the depth at receiver that we have, the quarterback play that we have. And then, you know, a a, a two headed monster running back outside of that team up north. Um, But as far as their secondary coverages, you know, it's like I said, again, vanilla one, two and three. (laughs) It's. Man, cover two with a safety over top and cover three. They're just covering thirds of the field. And I mean, don't get me wrong. They'll go into prevent when it calls for it, but it's not a common, common thing for them. Uh, What I feel like Ohio State's offense should do, uh, keep it simple. Um, Inside zone, outside zone. Now, the caveat there is the offensive line. They've been very physical this year. They're going to have to be a little bit more physical for this game. Because Iowa, as we have all said and have observed over the last, since 1865, when Kirk Ferentz took over, they are Wisconsin light. And you guys should know what I mean by that by now. It's a lot of tight ends, a lot of just solid defense, big corn-fed dudes, (laughs) you know, uh, not easily pushed around. So what we need to do is the offensive line has to be prepared. They have to out-physical Iowa's defensive front uh, to give us a chance in the run game. Uh, As for the passing game, I feel like slants, comeback routes, I noticed comeback routes have worked really well against Iowa, even with Riley Moss. Illinois hurt him pretty bad with those, uh, the levels concept. And if C.J. Stroud reads man, the most obvious thing on earth is mesh routes. That absolutely kills man coverage because it creates a situation where where there's a window, a wider window, because there's not a guy in the zone trying to cover that zone. So there's a bigger window. And good luck keeping up with JSN and Mika Ekbuka and, and you know Marvin Harrison. It, it really doesn't matter. Good luck with any of that. Throw Cade Stover in there, in fact. Um, so moving on to Iowa's offense, I saw a lot of uh, 12 personnel, 11 personnel, uh, 11 personnel, they'll kind of switch it up a little bit. They'll have a tight end at the wing. Um, they'll even have a uh, tight end on the line of scrimmage. uh they do a lot of split back um out of that. Uh, under center, you see the pl- the play action it, again, Wisconsin light, you know, under center, look for play action. look for double tight ends. They're gonna run the ball typically if it's double tight ends. Um, power running schemes, uh, you, again, under center, you're going to see power eye formation, old school football. They're coming at you. They'll run ISOs. They'll run little zones. Uh, the tight ends, as Chris said, they are used a lot. Uh, they throw a lot of shallow passes, lots of short routes. Uh, <clears throat> they will hit deeper and medium routes when you see trips. That is kind of like the indicator to kind of for the secondary to kind of fall back and keep things in front of you. Make a good read. Uh, Spencer Petras will take off with it. He's not a runner by any stretch of the imagination, guys. But but he can hurt you. He can pick up five or six, you know, and 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 put his team in a in a better position. Um, on, as far as Ohio State's defense, though, again, physicality is going to be the name of the game on offense and defense for Ohio State on Saturday. Cover the tight ends well. That is their bread and butter. Tight end passing. And then running. So, with that said, don't be afraid to blitz and commit to stopping the run. Force Iowa to throw to the outside receivers. Force that. I guarantee you, if we put them in a position where they have to throw the ball a lot and we shut down those tight ends, turnovers will be created.
1: Beautiful. We like turnovers. Uh, yes, as do. long as as long as we're creating them. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Come on now. <laughs> oh, shucks. Okay, so after hearing that, you should be well uh, informed both statistically and uh, schematically and historically, like nobody else. That's what we do here at the Ohio Podcast. And now, guys, it's time that we take all this information and we give our prediction of what the score should and will be. Chris, I will let you go first since you weren't feeling well. What you got?
0: Our prediction for Saturday:
1: pain, pain.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, I see Ohio State. Did y'all notice how much of a chip Ryan Day still had on his shoulder about that game?
1: Oh yeah, he's he's pretty. I, well, I, and then and I, Kirk the Ferentz added some fuel to the fire this week in his press conference too, talking about how that. Uh, back when in 2013 when they made a big game of it here at the Shoe, how that uh, they're going to do that again.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think this is too much offensive firepower. I agree with what Aaron said that this is a defense that's only really been tested once and they didn't really show out great against that team up north. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a bigger game than most people think. I'll tell you what. I'm going to take Ohio State, and, and it's going to sound like a lot. I'm gonna take Ohio State
1: 52 to 3. Ooh. I don't have that much, man. Um Aaron, you wanna give your score before I give you mine? Sure. I was thinking a little bit less than that myself.
2: Um I'm thinking Ohio State, I'm gonna go forty five to six. Dude,
1: did you just make that up? i did right there on the fly you that's what i got i got though. the same doggone score oh now i gotta change it okay have a picture shut out eric mm, you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna agree with both of you i'm gonna take 45 to three how about that i'll take one from uh, chris and one from aaron 45 to three all right. So you all know the drill. To, uh, no one's guessed the exact score this season, and that, that's your opportunity to win a t-shirt from the OHIO podcast. Speaking of merchandise, uh, we've got some brand new hats on the way. Um, we're gonna call them Woody Hats. How about that? You guys like that? We'll just call them Woody hats. Um I think Eric, these are
2: <laughs> I wasn't Think gonna about go- that phrase, my dude. Think about that phrase. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't gonna go there, Aaron. Oh, I will. I'll go there every single time. You're ridiculous for doing that. <laughs> what size is your woody hat, Jim? I...
0: They come in large and <laughs> extra large.
2: <laughs> wow. All right. How much thought did you put into that, by the way? <laughs> I know. know. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I love them. Well, you get your Woody hat from the
2: Ohio podcast. You know what's fun is Ohio State's got the Woody hat. That team up north got <laughs> the Jimmy hat. Like, what is what is it with these two?
1: Oh, <laughs> gosh. Just hope none of them have to play South Carolina. <laughs> oh, yes.
2: Oh, OK. Moving on. Boy, this took a left turn quick.
1: Yeah, okay. it did. He just drove that sucker off so, the cliff. So,
0: Eric, just just to clarify, you're saying to make sure you wear your woody hat if Ohio State's playing the Cox.
1: The Gamecocks, is that what you're saying? Just make sure you're well protected. How about that? Um, Get your Best woody hoax. hat. Get, Test. Your, get your Woody hat. All right. We'll have those available. I know some of you have been asking about T-shirts. We're going to have new T-shirts, too, because, well, we have to have a new logo. We're working on a brand new logo. It's going to be pretty awesome. I'm fantastically excited about that. So we'll re- be revealing what that is uh, after the season. Okay, that being said, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We come back. Um, we are we got a brand new recruit we need to talk about. Um, We've got uh, we've got uh, what we're going to be watching for at the game. We need to talk about the CFP and outside of Ohio State, Iowa, there's some pretty good games in college football uh, for your viewing pleasure for this weekend. So hang tight, everybody. The OHIO podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360 degree high definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. All right, let's dive right into the big time news today. Ian Moore, a top 100 um, lineman from the state of Indiana. Decided to be the second recruit for Ohio State in the 2024 class, meaning this kid is currently a junior in high school, and he is the second to commit to the class, like I said, joining the number one overall recruit uh, in the class of 2024, that being quarterback Dylan Riola from Chandler, Arizona. So. Uh, Two big-time recruits, uh, Ian Moore, which is – he's one of the top uh, linemen in the class of 2024, and Dylan Riola, the top quarterback in the class of 2024, giving Ohio State a nice, nice start to their 2024 recruiting class. Ian Moore is from New Palestine, Indiana, plays at New Palestine High School there in Indiana. He's 6'5", 295 pounds. Um, He's ranked 82nd nationally overall. He's the fourth highest ranked inside offensive lineman in the class of 2024. However, most of his highlight video is of him as a sophomore playing left or right tackle, and he's the second highest recruit from the state of Indiana. Aaron, I'll start with you first. I'll dive into the film a little bit, but I want to know, how difficult is it? Is it easier for a kid to go from outside to inside as opposed to inside to outside? Because like I said, in his highlight video, it's mostly him on the outside as a tackle. Does that translate easier in going from tackle to, say, guard when you play Division One college football? I think so. It each it's it's funny because each position
2: has its own challenges. Okay, so it's kind of like apples and oranges. If you want the truth, I don't want to say it's easier going from one to the other, uh, because, I mean, think about it. If you're the right tackle, you have slightly less. uh, I mean, you're in charge of the the end. You got to make sure no one gets around the end, you know, and then the left tackle. If your quarterback's right handed, you're in charge of the blind side. You know, you got to make sure nobody's going to absolutely wreck your quarterback uh, without him seeing it, of course. So each each one of those positions has a unique challenge associated with it. Um, The guards, you know, they they have to pull some of their responsibilities are pulling or leading through the hole toward the linebacker. So. Each one has its own own challenges. Footwork is a little bit different for each one. Uh, Responsibility is a little bit different for each one, given a certain play call. So I don't want to say or diminish the importance of one versus the other. Um, I think that it's just dependent on. Well, let me back up. I think that it's actually a good thing that they felt they could move the kid from one position to the other because some people don't grasp it. That's why you see some guys get tried out at guard. They came in as a tackle, and they try out guard. It doesn't work out. You know, they, just, they don't grasp what their responsibility is, but um, it's a good thing that in high school he's getting that development. He's getting that little bit of experience there, so when he comes here, he's done both, and that means that he's just a little bit more moldable um, in terms of what you know, Coach Fry can do with him, so that's a yep. good thing. You could see him on
1: the field sooner as a result of that. So they don't do a whole lot of pass blocking at New Palestine High School. This is a run-first offense, and I can make that determination just based off the highlight video. He's very good at run blocking. Um, He needs to develop more as a pass blocker. But I think that also is another reason why I think you're seeing him getting uh, considered an inside uh, offensive lineman as opposed to outside. Plus, he's 6'5". A lot of those tackles are in six 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 seven six eight in some instances yep. like we see in Dewan, so I think his size plus he does a lot of pulling as a tackle in that offense, which I think is what you're trying to say, Aaron is that his his skill set is more you know- du- uh, directed towards being a guard than a tackle at division one. Um <clears throat> the highlight video I watch is of him as a sophomore. So obviously I have not seen his, his uh, junior film yet. That'll come in a several months as their season closes out. But I'll ask Chris you this question. New Palestine High School is a smaller high school just outside of Indianapolis. Um, so it's on the on the outskirts there of the city. It is not a large high school, so they're not playing huge uh, big, well-known schools like Carmel and Zionsville and 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 Brownsburg and Avon these big uh, high schools that are are well-known that are producing a lot of the talent that you see play for Purdue and Indiana and, and in some cases uh, even uh, Notre Dame and Michigan State and 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 that team up north and, and Ohio State uh, we have a, several guys as well from those high schools that we we've, we've had several guys from those high schools I should say. That being said, new Palestine's a little bit smaller. Are you, are you concerned maybe a little bit that it's going to take him a few more years to maybe adapt to the level of play? Cause he's obviously not seeing that number one in Indiana and number two at the level of high school he's playing.
0: Well, you know, Eric, I don't care if he's playing for Hickory high school, obviously, uh, you know, Justin Fry sees something in this kid, uh, whether it's, you know, the the size, the agility, the athleticism, which obviously, you know, they're moving him to an interior line position so that he, he's got that athleticism, as you said, the pole. Uh, I, I trust in what they're seeing. Is it going to take him a little longer? Yeah, it probably does take him. You know, he's probably not going to start year one. I mean, I think that's a foregone conclusion. But, you know, you hope you've got to develop to at least get the decent part time play by year two and by year three. You know, he's in there as a, as a you know, big time prospect, given where he's at, you know, at rank currently.
1: Beautiful. Given our, given the technology that we are uh, inching closer to when uh, we go live, one of the things that we'll be doing is we'll be playing a <laughs> highlight video of these recruits, and we will be reacting to them for you uh, and making videos of that. So be on the lookout uh, after the first of the year. When his junior film comes out for Aaron and myself, for Aaron and Chris to sit down and actually watch the film with you uh, on a video and, and get their reaction of what they're seeing from his junior film to give you a better idea of what we're talking about. So that is something that we will be doing in the future. So be on the lookout for that. All right. Let's talk a little bit more about this upcoming game in the Horseshoe on Saturday. Chris, what will, what will be something that you'll be watching for? And you and I will be going to the game. We're actually going to the tailgate. Uh, one of the uh, our listeners and, and the gentleman who was, uh, if you listened and watched uh, Sunday night, who uh, Ryan, who invited us to his tailgate. We're going. We're going to have a party, yeah. man uh some of the uh, sounds like we're there's some some folks there that might be there that uh, could be some pretty cool interviews so we're taking our equipment we're going to be doing some video inter- interviewing and uh, be on the lookout for some pretty cool videos from this tailgate uh from this weekend but that being said what are you going to be watching for in the game chris what are you going to uh, what what are you going to go looking for saturday in the shoe at noon well for me i think This is going to be,
0: and Aaron brought it up a little bit earlier, the first test to see how truly physical our offensive line is. Iowa is very good up front, and our offensive line is going to have to be really physical. And I think even though they don't score on the prolific level that that team up north does, this is going to give us that feeling of where our toughness is at heading into that game in late November. Uh, If we're out there throwing these guys around and, and Mayan and, and Henderson are out there putting up, you know, six, seven, eight yards of carry. I'm going to feel awful good going into that Michigan game. Uh, So for me, it's all about our offensive line versus that defensive front just to see, you know, what kind of play we're getting.
1: Aaron, how about you? I'm looking for a few
2: things, man. Um, First of all, is JSN going to play? You know, I'm going to be looking to see if he's going to be out on the field. I know Coach Day seemed more optimistic this week about how he's doing in practice. Uh, and then the other thing is I'm I'm on board with Chris, you know, the, the physicality test. Um, I believe this is the first common opponent that we will have with that team up north so far this year. So I think it'll be interesting and fun to see. You know, do we beat them worse? Do we allow fewer points? And I know football, as most sports are, is a game of matchups. So it doesn't necessarily mean anything. But it's a little bit of bragging rights leading up to the game. You know what I mean? So that's kind of something I'm looking for. Uh, is Mayan Williams going to be healthy? Um, I don't know that he had an injury designation going into this week. But I think he missed last week. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see what's going on there. Um, the secondary. You know, this isn't really a challenging week for them, but are they going to make sure that Iowa's inept offense is limited, is contained on deeper and medium uh, passing routes? You know, uh, there's really no reason to allow long passes against Iowa. It's going to happen, I understand. I've said it in the past, but I would like to see them this week. It's a good opportunity to boost their confidence and make those stops and really limit, Passing plays over 20 yards uh, against Iowa.
1: Beautiful. So I can give you a few little updates there, Aaron. Um, um, Williams and Henderson are good to go, both of them. Excellent. So that's good. And Chris is right. Jackson Smith Najigba is is leaning towards sounding like he's going to be able to play. And I have, I kind of have a little bit of insight that the parents are probably going to be there which means that he's probably going to play so uh, there you go so i would say that there's a very very good chance not saying it's 100 percent but there's a very very good chance that we see jackson smith and the Jigba saturday uh on the field not not and again i don't know how much he would is actually going to play too you know i mean he we might he they might put him in and we're up and they're like all right you got your feet wet good deal you know Time to get you out of there and 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 you get you know uh, don't make sure you don't get hurt or re-injured. So <clears throat> that's that. I'm actually looking forward to uh, absolutely just curb stomping them. That's what am I watching? I want to see this offense absolutely just annihilate them. They're hungry. Ryan Day's got an edge about him, like Chris said. Uh, I want to see the offensive line dominate these guys, and I want to see this team fold. We know how bad they are offensively. If we can jump out on these guys, let's say by two scores by the end of the first quarter, it's game, set, match. It's over. It's done. The defense will give up. They, they're, I don't care how much pride they've got. Those guys have to know, Aaron, that if they go down by 14, it's over. This offense is just putrid. It's one of the worst, if not the worst, in all of college football. It is the worst. It's the well, worst. It's, it's so bad.
2: 131st well, in yards. It's like I said, guys, you know, they're they're just like Wisconsin. They're not built to make a comeback. They're they're built to win a ten to seven ball game. And that's most for the most part, that's what they've done. The the wins that they have had, that's that's how it's worked out. You know? Um but, yeah, if they go down
1: 14, Eric, you're right, man. I think it's game over. It's, it's done. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a hot start. Um, I want to be very interested if we win the tip, if Ryan Day says, I want to be on offense first. Let's go. Um, I just feel like he's, he's, one, he's right now coaching very aggressively on offense, and I think he's coaching this way because I also think his confidence level in the defense is through the roof right now. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm very excited about this game. I've had this game circled on the calendar for a long, long time. Every year, my wife and I go to at least one game together. This is the one we're going to. I want to win this game because I don't like Iowa for personal reasons. I don't like the state of Iowa. And when we lost in 2017 – That is a taste in my mouth that I don't like. And I'm glad Ryan Day has that same taste in his mouth. It's time to get it out. It's it's time to to cleanse the soul by absolutely annihilating the Hawkeyes. That's what I'm looking for. All right. That being said, let's switch gears a little bit and talk CFP. With Alabama losing last week to Tennessee, guys – I know you mentioned this on the live show, Chris, but I cannot believe the gaslighting by ESPN and the SEC apologists who are basically saying if Alabama ends up winning the the SEC, running the table, and then beats Georgia, who will have beaten Tennessee in the SEC championship, giving all three teams one loss, all three teams will make the college football playoff. I cannot get over how much they're talking about it, setting the stage for it to happen. Right. I mean, this is ridiculous. It's insane. It's so dumb. It is not, it is not a playoff. Let's be honest. It is an invitational guys. Facts. How I don't understand how a team now, I think all of this goes away if Alabama loses again, unless they lose to Ole Miss. And now we have Ole Miss, who then is an undefeated SEC team, who they're going to bolster um, and push up the rankings all the way into the, you know, top five and setting up for that debate uh, as well with that. So, but that being said, I want to ask you guys this question. Here's the scenario. You are on the college playoff committee board. First meeting is going to take place this week, and you have to go in and give your opinion on which four teams right now, not who do you think will be in or what do you think the the board will do, but which four teams do you right now think deserve to be in the college football playoff? Who wants to go first? Go for it. I'll go. Uh, You know, I
0: I think you've got to put Georgia in there. They're undefeated. They're the reigning reigning champs. They deserve a spot. Obviously, Ohio State deserves a spot. I think they are right now the best team in the country. They are playing as the most complete team in the country right now. I I think you've got to give credit to Tennessee. They may have played the toughest schedule of anybody in that top three that I've mentioned. And – they actually are undefeated as well, so Tennessee's in there. And guys, if I had to choose today, given the fact that I've seen some of these other teams play, I'm, I'm going to go with that team up north. They've struggled at times, but versus you know, if you put them up against Clemson uh, or Ole Miss, as far as they've had their struggles at times too. And and to me, I just think that if I had to choose among Clemson, Michigan, and and Ole Miss. I'm going to take Michigan. Okay. Um, Aaron, go for it. I would
2: say in no particular order, okay, not seeding this thing, just who gets in, um, Ohio State, Syracuse, UCLA, and TCU. Dead serious. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) No. I would have loved to see how you were going to spin that one, man. Yeah, no, there's no (laughs) spinning that one other than spinning it back to – tell you guys I was lying. But um no, I think I think Chris hit 3 of those 4 for me personally as well. I agree with 3 of those 4. Georgia, Ohio State, I have to go with Tennessee. And the the, the tough decision here is between that team up North or Clemson. And I think that all right now I would need to give and I understand Chris's you know, I, I can't really disagree because they've looked really good this year at, at most of the time. But they really also haven't played anybody uh, that difficult outside of Penn State. And I'm not sold on them either because they're they're pretty young outside of Sean Clifford, who's in his 19th year of eligibility somehow. Um, Kirk Farron's nephew. Yeah. Yeah. They're related. There's blood there. They're vampires. That's what it is. <laughs> they're vampires. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna give the nod to Clemson right now, and i I know that goes against everything Woody Hayes would have stood for hashtag woody hat but um <laughs> i I just
1: i'm gonna give the nod to Clemson right now okay, so I would say I would I would agree that Ohio State and Georgia definitely are consensus here. So Ohio State and Georgia. Some believe Georgia has the best win this season, at least non-conference win, which I could agree with over Oregon. Oregon only has one loss right now, and that yeah. was to Georgia. And that was an absolute dominating game. Oregon's a top 10 team right now. But should they be? I mean, this, it feels like they have every- looked great in every other game but that one. That game okay. they laid an absolute utter egg, but, but
0: we're we'll acquainted. Those other games. Mm,
1: let's see. I I don't didn't have a schedule in front of them, but didn't they beat Utah? I think so. Who just beat USC? By yeah. The way. Who was everybody's little media darling,
2: right? Oh no, um, no! They beat they lost to Georgia. They beat Eastern Washington,
1: BYU, Washington they, State. They beat Standard BYU, which was considered a yeah, win. Yeah, BYU win turned game, out to be a pop. Yeah, I think you're right. They haven't really played anybody. Well, they, they're going to they play somebody the this
0: week. Game of this season.
1: <clears throat> they're they're going to play. They're going to play someone. They somehow they lucked out of playing USC on their schedule.
0: They've got UCLA still they got that's UCLA this week. this
1: week yeah this is a big this is a big game for for both those teams <clears throat> so anyways Georgia and Ohio State I think are and plus Georgia's the defending national champion they haven't lost yet right i mean that that's always an argument too right okay um so then that 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 brings us to the debate between Tennessee Michigan and Clemson now I understand that Tennessee's win over Alabama was big last week and they did go into Pittsburgh and they won in a close game um they did defeat Florida if I'm not mistaken right didn't they win that game already Tennessee yeah
2: uh pulling it up now yes they did they beat Florida by five and they also beat
1: LSU Okay, which uh, neither one of those are that impressive, to be honest. They're both top twenty-five teams. Yeah, that's that's SEC bias, though. Let's be honest. Or it's because there's really not that many good teams in college football this year, either. And that was my argument with Oregon. I'm not sold. Yeah, and I understand it. I get it. Like, yeah, there's real. I mean, look at the Big Ten. I think overall. There's just not as many good teams this year. Although people are trying to somehow say that Tennessee's the new LSU from when Joe Burrow was there. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, can uh, we can we <laughs> just not anymore, please? That's a um, much I don't I just don't think Tennessee is going to to make it. I don't. I think they're gonna fall. Uh, Tennessee's still got a lot of a lot of young talent that has not been proven. Mm-hmm. They won one big game at home, but we all thought, we all saw it coming, guys. We all talked about how we could see this game, you know, being a Tennessee win. Alabama's not looked that great. I think Georgia's going to absolutely give Tennessee fits um, because I think Georgia's defense is much better. But this isn't about who I think. This is about who's earned it, in my opinion. And I'm going to go ahead and say Tennessee's the third team. And I'm going to agree with Chris. I actually think the team up north has looked better than Clemson has. But I think Clemson is coming on now. They are improving every single week. Where I did not think they were going to have a very good season, they're definitely having a good season. And if they don't trip up against Syracuse this week, I think Clemson is is going to win the ACC and 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 go undefeated and be one of the four there at the end. But let's let's before we do that, let's go ahead and give it to Tennessee and Michigan as the top 4 right now. So, we're all pretty much agreement on the on the top 5 teams, I think. So, how and how is let's let me ask you this question. Is there any way possible TCU can get into this argument? Even if they run the table and win the Big 12?
2: I think that's the only way, and their wins are going to have to be incredibly lopsided wins. Uh, Looking at the rest of their schedule, this week they've got Kansas State, who's ranked number 17. Uh, Then they're at West Virginia, home against Texas Tech. Then they're at uh, Texas, who's ranked 20th. That's That's, that's, That, I don't think they're going to get past that one. I'll be straight up. That's a. Those are tough games, guys. I just and then. Well, then they travel to Baylor, and that's not yeah. an easy play uh, game either.
1: I'm gonna make a statement right now, and probably people are gonna disagree with me, because <clears throat> both Texas and Oklahoma, especially Oklahoma, are down this year. I'm not sure from top to bottom if the Big Twelve is not the best conference overall this year. Like top to bottom,
0: they definitely have the most parity overall. Yeah, their their teams. They don't have any great teams. But they don't have any that just absolutely suck.
1: Which is like half the Big Ten this year.
0: And, and the SEC's right there with you. You've got, you know, that bottom, I mean, Missouri is awful. Vanderbilt, well, they're an academic institution, so we'll just go with that. You know, I mean, th- there's three or four teams in, and Auburn looks terrible. So, yeah, you might be right, Eric.
1: Yeah, just something something to ponder, something to ponder there. All right, let's go ahead and give our big game predictions for this weekend, guys. There's some, like I said, some pretty good games, and I don't have the spreads uh, for you guys this week. I know that that's not something that um, uh, we've done the last couple times, but I do have the rankings and where the game is at, so... Beginning in the ACC, where number 14th ranked and undefeated Syracuse travels to Death Valley to take on number five, Clemson. I'm going with Clemson. Chris, who do you have? Give me the cues. You warned us that you were going to do this. All right, so you're going with the upset, Syracuse. Aaron?
2: I'm going with Clemson. I think that being at Death Valley, I think that's going to be a little too much to overcome.
1: Yeah, if this thing was in um, was in Syracuse, what's that uh, the dome they call it? I forget what it's called. But... Not the Carrier Dome, is it? George Dome. It is. is it the Carrier Dome? Heck do yeah, I know. George
0: Dome or something
2: like that. When was the last time anybody cared about Syracuse <laughs> football? Exactly.
1: Um, exactly. Donovan, Donovan, Donovan McNabb? Right now. Yeah, Donovan McNabb was quarterback there. That's yeah. right. High State played him when Donovan McNabb was there. Yep, sure did. All right, uh, over to that Big 12 that I think is top to bottom, probably the most consistent conference in all of college football. Number 20-ranked Texas got their mullet special mullet back, and it seems like they got some of their mojo back, and now they're on the road taking on Oklahoma State, the Cowboys. Chris, who are you going with in this one? Uh, give me Oklahoma State to rebound. I- I'm going to take them over Texas. All right. Chris says he'll be a cowboy? Uh Aaron, do you, have, do you have the guts? I'm going with Texas.
2: Yeah, so am because I. I think Oklahoma State, I think they got a couple guys dinged up
1: and Texas is getting healthier, so I I'm I got to go with the Longhorns. Yeah, I think I think uh I think Texas is uh they're trending in the right direction. Yeah. Um, over to that big that big one over in the Pac-12 where number nine ranked and undefeated UCLA takes on number 10 ranked and one loss, but undefeated in the Pac-12, Oregon. Aaron, you're up first. I'm going with UCLA. Hmm. Taking the road dog here. All right. Uh, I'll go next. I'm going to go with um, Oregon. I'll go Oregon. Take the home team. I think they've played well. I think UCLA's run is gonna end right here. First, you're the defi- deciding factor here.
0: I gotta go down on this one. I'm taking the Bruins.
1: So far, Chris, you and I are exactly opposite. This is gonna be either really good or really bad for one of us. <laughs> That's good news for me. <laughs> yes, indeed.
2: I need to catch up. <laughs> yes, yes, Unless you it's do. really
0: good for me here and it uh... then it's
2: trouble. You're right. Good call.
1: Well by the way, since you since you brought that up, I do have uh, our records right now and let me see here. Aaron, you are at 14 and 14. I am only one game ahead of you at 15 and 13 and Chris is in the lead at 16 and 12. two games ahead of you, one game ahead of me. so it's still anybody's game here and this all these records also let everybody know that we're really bad at this. <laughs> yeah we're trash like this is. hey i'll tell you we're over 500 that's better than a lot of guys on the radio this is true this is true and you would not put money on my picks i'll say that (laughs) i wonder if we were going against the spread how well we would be because sometimes even though we pick the other team it doesn't mean necessarily that it would you know it's not against the spread so but i digress over to the Uh, Overrated SEC were number 24. And here's why they're overrated. Mississippi State is ranked 24th. So Alabama is going to, if they go, if they get a bounce-back win against Mississippi State, it's automatically, hey, they got a top 25 win here. See how that works? Stupid. Number 24 ranked Mississippi State goes to Tuscaloosa to take on the one-loss Crimson Tide. I'm going to take Bama, Chris. Yeah, I'm with you on this one, Eric. Make it three. All right. So we'll, we'll just do A's all the way across the graphic here, and that leads us to our last one. Number 17th ranked K-State is on the road, taking on Texas Christian University, the Horned Frogs, of TCU. Chris, you're up first. Uh, I'll take TCU. Aaron. Yep, give me the Horned Frogs. It's, we're going to make it a clean sweep for the horny frogs. So <clears throat> there you have it, man. TCU and Alabama are the is the only two teams that we agree on in these top 25 matchups. To reiterate, uh, Aaron and I went with Clemson while Chris went with Syracuse. Aaron and I went with Texas while Chris went with uh Oklahoma State. Aaron and Chris both both went with the Bruins. I took the Ducks and all of three of us took Alabama and TCU in their games. So there you have it. All right. I don't even know. Do we we even want to talk power rankings? It's so bad. Not really. It's it should be quick.
0: Eric, I sent it to you. What's that? It should be quick. Just read how I sent it to you. Actually, yes, yes, you should do that
1: because that makes the most sense. All right, Chris's power rankings. Ohio State one, Michigan two. The next twelve teams are the unpower rankings. That's really, really all that needs the, to be said. The powerless right? rankings. Yeah. yeah. Really, there's not a whole lot of movement other than the fact that Purdue jumped up to third in our power rankings. So it's Ohio State, Michigan, Purdue, then Illinois. Penn State fell to fifth after their terrible loss in Ann Arbor. Uh, Maryland is back up to sixth now. They're starting to climb again after their loss to Purdue. And Minnesota is now down all the way down to seventh. So there's your top seven. Bottom eight look like Iowa eight – or, excuse me, bottom seven look like Iowa eight, Michigan State nine, Wisconsin ten, Nebraska 11, and then the last three remain the last three, Rutgers, Indiana, and Northwestern. I don't – I don't – at the beginning of the season, I never would have thought there's a chance that Illinois would be better than Penn State, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin. I just – I just didn't think there was a world where that existed. And here they sit with Purdue in the lead in the West. And it's just atrocious. And yet the West is still anybody's it's it's still, still anybody's could, game. It it's still could be, be Nebraska North or North Northwestern. <laughs> right? Wild. Ugh. Absolutely wild. Crazy unbelievable all right guys that's our show for this week uh we will have video posted of the tailgate saturday morning that we're heading to uh, chris and i are looking to have a good time there and of course the game uh, make sure you come back sunday night when we will do the review of uh, the big win over iowa yep i'm calling it we all three of us are calling it we think it's going to be a big win hopefully it is i think it will be i'm pretty confident in that and as we get in in Diving into the second part of the season, guys, Uh, although this game doesn't look like it, the second part of the season is going to be much more difficult for the Buckeyes than the first part. Iowa, Penn State here uh, is two of the games back-to-back that we've got. Uh, We've got Indiana, which that doesn't look tough at all, but we do have Maryland. We do have a team up north up ahead, and... Northwestern. That's not going to be a tough one either. But Maryland, Michigan, and Penn State—three of our last five games, guys. So it's at the beginning of the year. I would
0: have agreed with you, Eric, but let's face it: this conference is trash. It's there's, it's again,
1: pretty, bad. Bingo. pretty bad. Pretty bad. I mean, when when you look at your conference and you might and you literally say, I know the Big Twelve's better than we are. We know the SEC is better than we are. I think the Pac-12 might be better than we are. And you're looking at yourself. and Are we basically the ACC? That's where we're at right now this year. Yeah, it, it's we, bad.
2: We are where the ACC was during Clemson's big run with Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson and those guys. That's dead serious.
1: That's where we're at with this thing. It's Ohio State, that team up north, and then everybody else. Mm-hmm. And here's here's another thought for you. This might be an exercise for us to do Sunday. So, look at the teams in the American Conference. How many of them are better than the bottom half of the teams in the Big Ten? Cincinnati, right off the bat. Uh, Tulane, mm-hmm. top twenty-five team. Um. Central Florida, UCF, Houston, Memphis. <laughs> they're all yeah. better than the bottom half of the Big Ten, guys. Yeah, as it
2: stands right now, I can't I mean, you can't really argue it. Oh, it's so bad. Outside of saying, well, I mean, on paper, they're better, you know, but that's literally the only argument that you have.
1: I mean, if if I'm Karen Warren, I'm on the phone with as many good teams as I can right now because this conference is sad. Like straight out of you. I mean, I wish, right? Like, so I know the. And again, I don't want this show to go any longer, so I'm trying to hurry here. But the rumor is that TCU has been contacted again. They are very, very serious about bringing TCU into the Big Ten. Dallas good. market, guys. Dallas market, right? TCU's doggone good football team, guys. They're not bad it. at all uh that you've got Washington of course and Oregon still uh Stanford possibly I, I, I even though they talk about Cal I just please no I don't see that. I don't even really want Stanford they're not that good either even though they just beat Notre Dame and quite frankly Notre Dame I know it's 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 cachet to get them in because of the name but even they right now are I mean they were ranked fifth at the beginning of the year. that team is terrible. That game, that win does not look very good, guys. No, it doesn't. And the fact it was only by
2: 11, kind (laughs) of, yeah. The the only thing I can say is it was week one, and we'll just cut it at that. But I would so much rather the Big Ten go out and get, like, Oklahoma State, TCU, maybe Iowa State, maybe. Because, I mean, they have other sports programs that are really solid, like wrestling. Basketball's pretty decent. Um, And I wouldn't even mind seeing, like, West Virginia join. Because like they had a pretty good basketball program for a while and they're they're decent at football. Heck, even Pitt.
1: Yeah. So, anyways, it th- that's a conversation for after the season because expansion is not done. But that's our show for this week. As always, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH in St. Carmen, Ohio, with all your heart. Till next time. Oh! I owe! No I Bucks.
3: Oh come LaSango. Hayao's praise and songs through alma rain, While our hearts rebounding thrill and joy which death alone can still. Summer's heat, home oh, winter's cold. The seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show.